Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Hello, everyone. How are we doing? Um, so today, let's talk about vocational well-being and let's talk about it in the context of this last year because it's been bonkers, hasn't it? We, like, we've heard it every week. Uh, we've heard it on the news. We've heard it in church. Uh, we've heard it from our neighbours and, and our colleagues. Like, work has just been crazy for one reason or another. So whether that's uh, you've been run off your feet because all of a sudden your, your workload's ramped up, maybe you work in the NHS or in a corner shop or something like that, or maybe your work is like slumped, like maybe you've gone out of business or you've faced redundancy or you've been furloughed and uh, you've been kind of sitting out from, from your normal routine uh, and maybe you've been doing homeschooling and all of those things, depending on where you're at or what your attitude is, could have been perceived as a blessing or you could have perceived it as a bit of a, a curse and uh, we want to stand with you in that place uh, whilst we start to talk about vocational well-being. So... Vocational well-being is really important to us. Um, I, I don't think I've thought about it too much, really, in, in those words uh, for, for a little while. Um, but the question, what do you do for a living, is like the question that you ask people when you meet them. Like, our identity is tied up with what we do for a living. Uh, some people will answer with glee because they're doing exactly what they want to do or they're really proud of it. Some people uh, might squirm a little bit because maybe their job's hard to explain or, or maybe, maybe they're only allowed to say they work for the government. And, or there could be some, any reason for, for people giving an answer for what they do for work. And some people don't work in a profession at all. So you may be, uh, you may be a carer for a family member. You might be a stay-at-home parent for a, for a season, uh, you might be out of work, uh, whether, whether you choose that or whether that's just something that's happened to you. Um, but I just want to acknowledge that there's all those, uh, all those factors in play over this last year and, and just in general. So vocation, I thought, just meant job, right? Because that's how we talk about it normally. Uh, what's your vocation? What's your job? Uh, but I looked a little bit into the etymology I like doing that sometimes, I'm weird. Uh, but it, it comes from a Greek word, uh, so vo you've got vocation, and that, that voc bit at the beginning, V-O-C, is the same as voice, you know, like when you're a singer or you, whatever, you do the, the vocs or the vocals, uh, it's the same voice, and, uh, same word, sorry, and that means calling. So your vocation isn't just what you do, it's what you're called to do which I think is fascinating because people end up in all sorts of different work for all sorts of different reasons, but we're talking about calling today. What is your calling? Anybody know? I don't think it's an easy, easy question to answer, particularly these days. I mean, there may have been a time when you just picked up your dad's trade because that's what you do and you apprentice for a little while and that happened. But uh, like even things like careers in general, like there's no, not really such thing as a job for life anymore. Or maybe you've had dreams and ideas about doing a certain job and you've gone to uni and you've trained to do it and got to the end of your course and found out that actually it's really competitive or maybe the jobs just aren't there in the first place. But what is your calling? Do you know? your calling is, what God's asked you to do, what your purpose is. 
Many of us will go through seasons of work. Maybe you do a job for a little while, decide you don't like it, change your mind. Maybe you do get made redundant. Maybe you have to take a step back because you've got kids to look after and you need more flexible hours. There can be any kind of reason. And um, it's lots of moving parts, isn't it? It's not too surprising, really, that maybe if our identity is entirely invested in our job, when one of these things pops its head up, that we get a little bit shook, right? If, if, if you end up out of work or there's change or all of a sudden your, your work environment gets a bit uncomfortable or you see something new up, when those things happen, it's only natural for us to, to bring other things in life into question. What am I doing? If I can't do that the same way that I was used to or these people aren't being very nice to me or I don't feel like I fit in this organisation, those things shake us, they make us question other things about our identity. Work can be hard and it can be complex. In the book of Genesis, we see that God gave Adam and Eve jobs to do in the garden uh, before the fall. So uh, sometimes that can be a hard thing to get your head around, can't it? The fact that, that, that work isn't a result of, of the fall or of sin. Sometimes it might feel like a bit of a chore, but actually it's really important for us as humans to work, um, created to work, created with a purpose, it's good for us. God made us with skills, creativity and capability to thrive in our work before anything else happened. This is one of the reasons why unemployment is so difficult. Lots of us dream of not having to go to work or uh, we just can't wait for retirement because we get to put our tools down and do whatever. We're just out of that environment. But having a purpose and colleagues and friends, routine, they're all essential for our well-being not just to mention making sure we've got a bit of money to provide for our families and exercise generosity. The Health Foundation website states this. The relationship between mental health and unemployment is bi-directional. Good mental health is a key influence on employability, finding a job and remaining in that job. Unemployment causes stress, which ultimately has long-term physiological health effects and can have negative consequences for people's mental health, including depression, anxiety and lower self-esteem. What do you think about that? One of the things that's resonated with me the most from the wellbeing course so far was actually from the youth material, because that's a bit of what I do. But there's a guy called Dr Roger Breverton uh, and he's a lecturer in psychology at the University of Lincoln. And he said, there is one thing that you can do that will definitely improve your well-being. Use your strengths in a different way every day. God's created you with strengths and gifts. And I really believe that in our jobs, in our vocation, in our passions or purpose, that we are supposed to lean heavily on the things that we are good at. Nobody wants to be rubbish in their work. That's not rewarding. And if, 
you're unemployed or not working, then you aren't getting to exercise any of those things unless you're being really creative. So yeah, working from our skills, strengths and gifts is life affirming. We are at our most effective and even through small beginnings and mistakes, we are motivated to go to distance because it's what we're good at. It's because it makes us feel nice doing the good things that we can, feeling like we're utilising uh, the best parts of ourselves that God has built into us. So there's a few stories in the Bible about how there's a person and they've got skills and qualities and then God does something in their life or they meet circumstance, which means that they end up doing a, a bigger job or a bigger role or having an increased sense of purpose or vision. But God uses the things that people have developed in their kind of smaller moments to go and do great things. So here's, here's a couple of people. David, Old Testament, he went from defending sheep from wild animals and then God turned that and used his skills into learning how to rule a nation and protect them from the surrounding nations. So wolves, national enemies. Esther, an orphan full of loyalty and love for her family and faith, when elevated to a position of influence, had the courage to speak out justice against racism and genocide. Joseph went from being a selfish dreamer, a bragger, through a journey of rejection, slavery, managing a wealthy, wealthy household, defamation of character, prison, and then developed the character in integrity and ended up being trustworthy enough to set a dream and a vision to prepare, prepare Egypt and the surrounding nations for a time of famine. So he had all these crazy boy dreams about like kind of agricultural imagery and a bit of a bonkers journey. And God used that and turned who he was and his character into being able to protect and serve nations later on, despite everything. Simon Peter, New Testament. He went from being a fisherman and a pretty um, aggy one at that to uh, becoming a fisher of men, going out rather than catching fishes, which is what he did for a job, and not particularly well all the time, um, but he used those skills to go and make followers of Christ and meet people and, uh, and do a gentle, loving job of it rather than being the brash kid that he was at the beginning. And then finally, Saul. Saul had a wicked knowledge of religious law and uh, just all about Judaism. And uh, he used his, well, not wisdom, but his intelligence around the law and what, what the book said to actually just run around, terrorise, kill, persecute people who thought differently. Fortunately, God left all the killing and the terrorising back there somewhere. But then he used his knowledge of the law and of uh, the the kind of history to show people that actually Jesus was the answer to that. Uh, so he used his knowledge of the law to invite outsiders who he was persecuting into relationship with Jesus and the church. Those skills that I mentioned were there at the beginning and in the early days. Then these people met God or had their 
they had their circumstances changed or responsibility shifted. And what started from small beginnings was moved into doing some really great things. And these are all heroes of the faith. And I'm thinking, what does that mean for you? You might be a... You might be a dab hand at administration. You might be all right at working with wood. You might be all right at, I don't know, caring for people, at talking things through with people. But how can you ask God to help use those skills to develop what you're doing, to increase your sense of purpose uh, within the kingdom of heaven, to rather than just doing a job that involves some of those things, using those things to make you feel really alive for Christ. Galatians 6 says this, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work that you have been given and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Last time I spoke on this platform, I spoke about how I was finding lockdown hard. I'm sure you've heard that from lots of people. Uh, how I was upset about being detached from my family for Christmas. How much I missed the physical gathering of church. Um, but the whole story was, to be honest, a little bit worse. In fact, when Sim asked me to talk on vocational well-being, I didn't say anything, but in my head he was... We were walking along together and he said something, we were chatting about something else and he kind of threw this in. I just thought, you're kidding. That is the last thing I want to talk about right now. I do not feel vocationally well. Uh, not, not in particular because anything, anyone had done anything wrong to me, but I just, it just didn't sit right. I wasn't happy with my vocational well-being. Before lockdown, I was finding the youth work to be the best it had ever been. Uh, we had good numbers, we had lots of exciting stuff going on and uh, people were asking all the right questions and the team was working really well together and I was just excited about it. And then for that overnight to turn into just Zoom meetings that nobody really kind of could have the energy to, to get to, whether that's like the kids or the leaders, that just that sense of monotony that that's all you can do every week. Maybe you could have a cup of coffee with one. For me, that felt like I was missing a target. I wasn't getting to do the things that I like to do with the skills that are inside me. I also was made redundant from one of my other, other jobs and that, that all was fine and okay and done carefully and gently. Um, but that, like I said earlier on, is one of those things can get you a bit shook when, when that changes. So I, I'm at a bit of a loose end in some ways. Some of the rest of what I'm doing wasn't as interesting as I would hope it would be. And I felt, when I thought about my calling and purpose that I'd really been set in my mind a long time ago, what I was doing wasn't matching up with that. That made me feel distant from my team. It made me feel uh, outside of my calling and made me feel distant from my creator, really, in moments. Definitely distant from vocational well-being. Here's the thing, it's not the case anymore. Fortunately, through relevant conversations with friends, some honest talks with members of the team, by my lovely wife, Beth, holding a mirror up to my face, and some pretty desperate moments of prayer, 
And then just starting to put one foot in front of the other, my prayers were answered. Like, I can honestly say in the last like month, six weeks, my vocational well-being has gone 360. 360? 180. I'm not going from bad to going round and being back bad again. No, I feel so much more confident. People say I look more confident. I feel better in my, my work. I'm excited about the different aspects we're doing, even though we're still not getting to do all the things that we did. And I, that could be for all sorts of reasons, whether that's... Oh, whether that's just circumstance, whether that's coming out of lockdown, whether it's because the sun started to shine a little bit, whether it's just been because I've had a bit of an attitude check. But I really think that's of God. I had some desperate moments of prayer uh, and he's, he's answered them. I don't think that's just happenstance. And uh, I go as far as saying it's a miracle and that shouldn't surprise me, but it does uh, and I want to ask that for you in your circumstance, wherever you are right now in terms of your own vocational well-being, that there would be a God-sent miracle. Here's the thing. Colossians 3 says, our work is our worship. So it says this, work willingly at whatever you do, although you're working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you inheritance as your reward and that the master you're serving is Christ. It's important to look after ourselves, but the dream is to be doing it for Christ. So if you're like me and you needed a bit of attitude check, let that put you into focus. There's also another thing I want to talk about, and that's anointing. So we see that lots in the Old Testament. We see it a bit in the New Testament. But anointing is basically when the Holy Spirit comes upon us with power and activates our gifts and provides us new ones to empower us to carry out our calling. Quite often in the Bible, when someone is called by God to do something, they are then anointed and that gives them a new confidence and set of gifts to do the job that they're called to do. We don't do this much in this church, but I want us to do some more of that to expect the miraculous and to ask for spiritual gifts and to ask for some vision, some purpose uh, and really just wait on the Holy Spirit and God to do that. And we can do that at home. We can do that in locations where we've got uh, people around that can pray with you. But yeah, I can think of the time when I was first called into ministry. I went from being a, just a little boy who knew a bit about church to all of a sudden knowing that God had a plan for what I wanted to do and that that was part of my identity and that was exciting. In that moment, I met God in a new way. The Holy Spirit came upon me and completely changed my focus on life. And now, when I have a moment of poor vocational well-being or poor mental health or... Uh, just hit a struggle, that is my line in the sand. That's my reference point. That's my datum. So when I feel lost or not sure what I'm doing, I've got that moment in history, in my own history, where I met with God and met with the Holy Spirit. And that is what I'm aiming, not to get back to, but I think of that as where I started and how I'm doing on my journey from that point. So I'm going to ask you to respond. And... Uh, I don't know how we're going to do this, but I'm just going to give you a list of ideas. You might want to do this in venue, but there's some questions I want to ask. Right now, 
how is your vocational well-being? In terms of this year, in terms of your job, how is your vocational well-being? What is your purpose? What are your skills? And what is your calling? Maybe you lost track. Maybe you're really set on them. Maybe you're really clear. But I also want you to ask God to show you, remind you. And if you didn't know in the first place, let him know you in the first place. Remind you that your work is your worship. You might like singing and you might miss singing, but that's only a portion of our worship to God. Right at the beginning, we were made to carry out some jobs. That was the only worship that God asked of Adam and Eve. What does your work look like? Are you grumpy? Have you got a bad attitude? Do you feel like this year has been done to you? How can you turn that around to worship, doing what you do for Jesus, for God, because you know he loves you and you want to love him back? What conversations do I need to have? I I chatted to lots of people uh, when I was having a bit of a rough time a few months ago and uh, it was really helpful. People that I trust, uh, good counsel, mentors, friends, family, arguments with my wife... (laughs) What conversations do you need to have with your family and employers to increase your vocational well-being? Be careful. Don't be brash. Don't be stupid. It matters. And here's the last thing I want us to do. And it's the biggest and it's the boldest and it's probably the scariest, but it'll make the most difference. I want you to pray for anointing for one another. I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to come and activate the gifts and give us new spiritual ones. I want you to inspect the miraculous because that's what changed my life back when I was a kid and the last couple of months. And I I wouldn't do what I did without it. And I know what a difference it's made in my life. And I, I want you guys to have the same thing. That's why I do what I do. That's why Jesus is special. That's why... This well-being course isn't just a self-help thing. It's Jesus that makes a difference and it's Holy Spirit. Make sure you're praying with one another in your venues. This makes all the difference. Be brave. Lay hands on each other where it's appropriate, but do not let the moment pass. Let the Spirit come move with you. Wait on Him and ask Him to change your situation. That's all I've got. You can respond in your venues now. I don't know if Sim wants to come up and say something. We've got some worship. But invite the Holy Spirit into this situation. It will change everything. Your focus, your skill, your relationships, your workplace. Ask for gifts. Ask for an anointing. Have a great day. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.